Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? Um... I'm just on a on the 12th floor of a flat. I'm looking over the Manchester skyline. I've got the big red Arndale sign in front of me. And it's a lovely sight. It's lovely to be in Manchester. It's very calming. It's good. And I've always loved Manchester. It always feels like a second home, but it's freezing on this balcony, so I'm going to go in now. Just shut this door. Um... <laughs> Well, thank you so much for downloading and subscribing. You're here. It's Thursday. It's episode 85 of the podcast with a really brilliant natter with Mike Gibson, who is an actor. And we'll get to that in a sec. I've got... Sorry, it's quite echoey in this flat. Can you hear? I'm going to go a bit close to the mic. Um, yeah, a couple of things to say. First off, I want to give a massive... Shout out and a big thank you to our very own producer Griff for his fantastic first intro and outro last week. It's no mean feat uh, getting one of these done, really. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I was so chuffed that he did it. I did listen back and he was fantastic. And I'm sure you all thought so too. And there were some people, there was somebody on. Uh, social media who didn't even believe that producer Griff exist, exist, existed. Um, I think they said, Oh God, he's real. Yeah. He's very real, very real. And, uh, you know, you know, I couldn't do this podcast without him because he is definitely my right hand man and he's fantastic. So massive shout out to producer Griff and the next thing. Right. Okay. So we've got someone to talk about here. You know when we record, we usually record in bulk just because of what we do outside the podcast and we want to keep it going uh, week in, week out, which we have done for 85 episodes. So if we're away for two or three days, we'll record usually three episodes in a day, which is a lot. It is a lot to take in and it does take its toll. Um, because you know what the, these conversations are like. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes they're very light. Sometimes uh, they're very deep. They could be dark. They could be personal. And um, yeah, that's kind of hard work. So here's the thing. So we've got 85 today. Next Thursday we've got 86, and after 86. We're going to take a little pause. We're going to take a little break. Um, I don't know how long. Hopefully not for long. Um, but you know I've always been very honest with you on this podcast. And I don't really want to go into it. Um, I've got a lot of work on filming. And more importantly, I've got a bit of personal stuff in my life that I kind of need to focus on for the minute 
So just bear with, and we'll be back. I don't know how long, definitely for a month, hopefully um, not too long after that. But look, we'll just see. We'll just play, play. We'll just play it as it goes. I don't know, uh, but we'll sort it, and we'll be back. And so just stick with us. And look, if you're new to the podcast, there's going to be from next Thursday. There's going to be 86 episodes there. There's no way you've listened to them all. Look, Line of Duty Series 5 has just started on telly. Go and listen to the Vicky McClure or the A.D. Dunbar episode or the Neil Morrissey episode. Fantastic. Um, oh, what else? There's lo- just look, there's loads of great episodes. Um, we're really proud of all of them. And we can't thank you enough for downloading and subscribing and the messages that we get and the emails. Um, we're so pleased that you love what we do. So that's it. That's, that's, that's the big news, basically. So 85 this week, 86 next week. We're going to hit the pause button and then we're going to recharge and we're going to be back because this is just the beginning, really, um, of what we do. And it's going to carry on, so have no fear. Right, well, that's the big news out of the way. And we better get on to some bigger news, because this week we are joined by Mike Gibson, who is a fantastic fella. He's an actor, and he does all sorts, you know. It's funny with Mike, and he sprung to mind why I wanted him on, because he kind of does all sorts even though we don't get into the work stuff, obviously, because it's the two-shot podcast and we're more interested in human stories. But Mike can go and do, like, a musical, and then he can go and do a film, and he can go a bit of tele- He does all sorts of stuff. You know, he's just recently finished in Hamilton in the West End in London for a year, a bloody year. And, you know, you'll know him from that. You might even want Olivier Award for that, quite rightly so, because I saw him and he was absolutely brilliant. And, you know, he pops up in Star Wars. He was in The Bank Job with past Two Shot Podcast guest Danny Mays. So he, he's, uh, he does all sorts. But uh, right now we're interested in him. So should we do it? Let's go. This is episode 85 of the Two Shot Podcast with the excellent Mike Gibson. Enjoy. I'll see you at the end. Do you know, I've never been to Hull. I've never I'm, been I'm, to Hull? I'm actually ashamed to say that I've never been. Oh, you should go. I should go, shouldn't I? It's... It's a funny old town. <laughs> do you go back? Yeah, yeah, I do go back. Um, my mum's not from there. Where's my, she from? My mum's, well, my mum's a kind of from all over. She was born in Colchester, but her father's American, was American, he's, he's passed now. Um, grew up in Tennessee, and her mother was from Clacton. So she was born in Colchester and then lived in the States, and then when she was a kid on and off because he was military police and came back and forth and then ended up in a place called St Ives in Cambridgeshire. Right. And then my dad was sort of born and bred in East Hull. Um, went to school with um, Barry Rutter, who 
runs who ran Northern Broadside. That's right. I thought I remember who's from Hull. Yeah, who was a sort of uh, an actor. Well, still is an actor. So my mum and dad met when when um, about six years before I was born on a holiday, and that's how my mum ended up in Hull, and then I was brought up in Hull. So yeah, so I go up and see my dad and my stepmom when I can really. Um, I have a nice relationship with them, and my daughter's got an amazing relationship with my stepmom, which is great. Yeah. So we we try and go up there as much as we can, and um, but yeah, it's it, I have a funny relationship with Hull, I think because. Obviously, I'm, I'm from there, and I will always be proud of being from there. But I think because my mum was was always a southerner when I was when I was up there, I think she always felt like an, a bit of an outsider. So it made me feel a bit like a, an outsider, if that makes sense. Do you still feel that now? Um, a little bit, yeah, a little bit. And I think I, I always had this sort of. When I lived there, I was always aware of what was out there. Because Hull's, geographically, it's a, it's a funny town because it's the end of the line in many respects. It's, you know, if you go south, you just hit the river. And if you go north, you, you just hit sort of the seaside towns for ages until yeah. you get to, to Newcastle. And like you say, you've never been to Hull. I've never been to Newcastle, which is sort of the northeast. Yeah. Um, and then the train line is the end of the line. And the M62 is that, you know, Hull is, the, and then there's the docks. So I was, I was always very aware of, because my mum was not from there and we used to come down south and see people, family and friends and that, I was always, always very aware that there was more to life than where I was from. So, and I've never worked there. I've never been involved in whole truck or anything. I mean, I'd love to be one day. And it was City of Culture not so long yeah, ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Was it a couple of years ago? Yeah, I think it was last, yeah, year before last, I think it was. So, um, How did that affect the city? Do you know? Well, I know that it's, it's affected the city in the sense that a lot has changed in terms of how much money they've invested, which is amazing because there's so much. The, th- the other thing, the thing is about Hull, the people there are just so amazing and so lovely. And I think it's because it's on its own. It's just, it's almost like an island in, on, the, on the edge of Yorkshire in a I way. I know what you mean. It's got its own funny little accent. It's a massive city. It's got a massive population. There's a lot of industry there. So there's so much history. And I think the, the people there just welcomed the city of culture with open arms yeah. and i just i hope i hope that it will continue the culture to come out of it because i think you know when you think about hull you just think about philip larkin or you think about john godber or whatever and I, and that's you know i know there's more but that's kind of the two people that come to my mind and i'm from there you know and, and there's so much going on there so i really hope that the city of culture will bring just bring it into the you know, into the sort of 21st century, really. I mean, it's it's one of the biggest cities in the country. It, it's it got a massive football team and all yeah. that, that kind of dips in and out of success and not success. So there's always this kind of, like, sense that it's never quite doing what it should be doing as a city. And, without, and it's also been branded as the shittest town in, in the country, mm. and, and it certainly isn't that I was going to say, without sounding disrespectful, do mm. you think it's, it's, it's back... A few years in itself within a, yeah, a little bit with being a city a little bit yeah I you mean, know you look at Manchester yes well you know, Manchester is you look at Liverpool yeah. you look at Birmingham yeah. there's, a conf- there's, a, there's a confidence with with those cities yeah you know you see it I mean I always I always sort of put it down to the train stations in London like when you go to Euston and you're seeing like the local commuters but then you see people from Manchester and Birmingham and Liverpool it really it 
it, the trains go to those cities, whereas King's Cross goes to kind of the northeast, and you can always tell people from Hull at King's Cross because they look a bit bewildered when they're getting off the train, um, which is quite endearing, really, I suppose. Um, but, like, for example, when I, was a, when I was sort of a young actor, I suppose, and I was still living in Hull, but sort of, you know, auditioning for drama school and doing youth theatre and whatnot outside of Hull, I remember I used to come down to London, like, for the day, get yeah. the early train at, like, 7 o'clock in the morning on one of those big, great Northeastern Railway trains, and I'd get into London at, like, 9am, do the audition and be back in time to go to the pub on a Friday night with my mates. And I'd be sat there with my mates and various other people, and I'd say, you know, what have you been up to today? And they'd say, oh, I did this, I did that. And I'd say, and they'd ask me what I'd been up to, I'd say, I've been to London, and they'd look at me like I was mad. Like, what, you've been to London? And I'd say, yeah, yeah, well, when did you go? And i said, well, I went this morning. And they'd be like, <laughs> what do you mean you went this morning? Because they only associated... Day? Yeah, they associated going to London, like like a big thing like yeah. you know or even going to manchester it was like it was such it was two hours away you know there is, that's the thing about hull to get anywhere you have to travel a good 45 minutes to an hour to get to york or to get to leeds or to get to sheffield um from a place that pretty much has everything it needs yeah so yeah so so i think to to, to go back to your to what you were saying about them maybe being a bit behind the times you know, no, they're not. But yes, I think they are. Right. In, you you in know what way. I mean? I wasn't meaning mm. that in yeah, any yeah, disrespectful yeah. No, way I agree. to the city. I absolutely agree. Um, you know, and I think that was, you know, in, in terms of my upbringing and my mum and my dad, you know, because my dad, my, I'll, I'll talk about my dad in a bit, but, my, you know, my mum's sort of upbringing and sort of growing up in the States and stuff like that gave me a wider horizon to look across, you know, living in Hull. Yeah. Um so you were already given those aspirations through your yeah, mum, really? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. And, and then also my dad, my dad and my stepmom, they both... My dad works in local radio or worked in local radio. He was sort of... <laughs> he sort of holds answer to Alan Partridge, really, in a, in a really nice way, though. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's, he's a really, really brilliant, or was a brilliant DJ on local radio, BBC Radio Humberside and Viking FM and stuff like that back in the 80s when, you know, DJs were, were listened to on local radio and stuff like That's that. That's all right. Don't worry. Come down. Thank We've you, just got a, a nice cup of tea here for thank you. Mike. Just pop that down there. Thank you. Us. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cheers. That's all right, mate. Don't worry. This is a radio, wouldn't it? Yeah, just a podcast. Is it? Yeah. Okay. If you tell those people up there, I just go, it's fine. Good you just always listening to podcasts. She'll listen to ours. Yeah. Really? Uh, just... Oh, I'll, I'll let you know when I come and sit on my oh, bill upstairs, nice. you see. I'll tell you everything. Do me a favour. We could ask those lovely people up there, just, if they could just keep it down just a little bit for me, that would be amazing. Uh, tell, you know, we, I know it's difficult. See what you can do. If not, I'll send Big Griff up there and it'll be terrible. We'll smash the plates. Well, I'll tell you about Go on, he'll tell you. Where was I? What was I talking about? We were talking about my dad. Uh, the de- the um, Mom, Miss, Miss Gibson Senior being the answer yeah. to Alan Partridge. <laughs> Yeah, so no disrespect. No, no, Mr. no, Gibson. no, no. He's um, he's a he's a brilliant DJ. You know, he knows. You still th- do it. He does occasionally. Yeah, he's he's responsible. There's a big radio station in Hull called KCFM. And it was that was my dad's idea, like about ten ten years ago. He sort of set that up and put it together, and and he now doesn't work with it. But so my dad, what my dad did, apart from working in local radio and being a presenter, was that it, he kind of pioneered the sort of the outside broadcast. Right. Which, so basically, he in the eighties he went to America. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Dad, if you ever listen to this. But he 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 went to America for the first time, and he sort of had an idea that wouldn't it be brilliant to be able to bring local radio in the UK to America, 
and do a show from wherever. So now what he does is he works with radio stations because he has a brilliant relationship with all radio stations all over the country and he runs a company called International Broadcasting where basically they work with like tourist boards and like so they'll go and work in Barbados and take like six breakfast shows from all across the country and they'll do their breakfast show from from um, a, a resort in Barbados in conjunction with the Barbados tourist board and it will sell tourism for that island to the UK and... Well, some, if your dad ever wants to take a podcast out to Barbados, maybe, then maybe this should be his first port <laughs> got, call. No, well, maybe you should... Well, that's the thing. It'd be nice for... Maybe we should all go out, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's what my... So, so to bring it back to what I was saying about, you know, Horizons and Hull, I mean, my, the, my dad was there too, with, with my stepmom as well, because she works very closely with him. Um, and that's what they do. So they, they, they were always travelling... When I was a kid, they were always travelling the world. That w- I remember once they did a... They did a radio, um, like, epic marathon radio thing with Virgin Radio Breakfast Show where they literally did the radio, the breakfast show from a different place in the world every day. Wow. And they, I think they, did, they went around the world, like... He did it once, like, to do the reccees and set it all up because it was, you know, the legalities of it were mental. And then he actually went with... It was Russ and Jono were the... With a, with I remember a, yeah. those days, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was them two, and he went around the world. So my dad effectively produced it, you know, he put it together, and 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 then, yeah, he went around the world every day, and I remember him sort of checking in. It was before the days of, you know, FaceTime and Skype and all that, and he just disappeared for a month, and then he came back, and, yeah, they were exhausted, I seem to remember. But, yeah, so so that's where, where my kind of ideas... I mean, don't get me wrong, there's lots of people from Hull who, you know, not for want of a better phrase, get out, I suppose. But, you know, they... But that was my version of it. You know, my mum and my dad were very sort of cosmopolitan and open-minded and, you know, even though my dad's background, you know, my grandparents were very sort of from Hull and that was where they were from and where they where they started and where they finished. But and, I think that's just a different generation, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Why, why would you want to go anywhere else? You've yeah. got everything here yeah, on your exactly. doorstep. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And whereas my, whereas my mum's family were... My grandfather, I only met him once when I was, like, 11 months, when I went to America when, when I was tiny with my dad and my mum. And he, he then died when I was about, I think it was when I was 21, because it was when I was doing my first job. And I just, and I'd spoken to him, like, twice on the phone. But we just, we just never kept in touch, and I sort of regret that, really, that I never really got to meet him, because the stories he would have had, because he grew up in a in the deep south of Tennessee and had, like, the classic kind of redneck kind of background, like, eight brothers and sisters that went into all sorts of different parts of, you know, the society and world. And yeah. and there's all these cousins that my mum talks about that were all, you know, that have all got crazy American names and stuff So that she met when she was a kid, but then that all stopped when she when her parents split up. Right. And she moved back to the UK when she was a teenager. So, so yeah, so it's... I, I sort of... And my mum's sort of wisdom, I suppose, and sort of her experiences have sort of given me a very sort of open-minded way of thinking about... You know, she she grew up in the kind of... In America when, when it was the Cold War and the segregation and stuff like that, you know. Right. So she remembers being told it wasn't right to play with black kids because they were, they were in a different neighbourhood. And yeah. she had this little boy who was a, a, little, a little black boy who was a really good friend of hers, and her dad told her off for playing with him. So to this day, she remembers that and is like how shit it was, you know? Um, and then sort of brought that to Hull from 
St Ives in Cambridgeshire, you know. So I always sort of had these amazing stories when I was a kid of what what else there was through my parents, you know. It was either my dad was flying off to Disney World to do a breakfast show or flying yeah. to Australia or, or my mum was my mum was who was very normal. My mum worked in Sainsbury's, you know, and but had this amazing has this amazing sort of childhood, you know, that was sort of she was a military brat basically. Right. So your mum is still with us? Yeah, yeah, right. mum's still... She's, right. Yeah, my mum's in town today, actually. She's um, she's watching my wife in a show. Oh, is she? <laughs> so I, I might be meeting her for tea after this. So, because we were talking about your dad and your stepmom for a bit, and I thought, oh, wow, yeah, yeah, my no, so mum my my dad, No, so my dad's... My, my dad and stepmom met when I was... When I was... Not long after my mum and dad split up, and we're all we're all very happy and... What, what age were you when your mum and dad split up? Um, I was... I was... I think I was four or five... So it was it was quite informative those years for me because it was it was when you know it was when 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 I was sort of starting school and stuff like that and I I remember you know associating the separation of my mum and dad to the the overwhelming feeling of starting school and that whole new chapter that we all go through yeah when we sort of have to be you know and, and like for example I was I was very very nervous of my first day of school I, I vividly remember being very upset and I and now I look back in hindsight and associate that with the insecurity I had with mum and dad splitting up and, right. and like the other day I saw um, I was at school and I saw this little I was taking my daughter to school and I saw this little kid breaking his heart and it was the first day back after half term like proper losing his shit yeah. this little five year old and his mum was really really just breaking her heart yeah, trying to work out it's how do, how do I deal with my with my child do I push him in do I just leave him to it do I you know you're just stuck and every other parent and I turned around and I walked away and I just I found myself being really emotional because it immediately took me back to when I was that age did it yeah when I was sort of you know when and, and then the other thing was was that that reinforced itself because my mum and dad split up and for a brief period of time we we moved to St Ives in Cambridgeshire for about six months, so I went to another school. All and three of you? My mum... Uh, no, my mum and my brother. I've got a younger brother. Oh, you've got a younger and, brother. Yeah, and um, me and my mum and my younger brother moved down to, to be with near her family for six months whilst the dust was settling after the separation. And your dad was still and My in dad Hull. was still in Hull. So I went to a different school for a bit, all within the first year of school, and then Oof. went back to my other school. Oof. So it was... It was a Big real... changes, right? Yeah, it was massive, and... So my mum eventually moved back up north, and it was mainly because I think at the time she she wanted us to have a a relationship with with my dad um, and also with his with with her parents as well. Uh, but sorry, with his parents. Um, so we moved back up north. But yeah, so what I find interesting is again to talk about that anxiety that I that I recognised in that little boy leaving school the other morning. I take that anxiety, that first day anxiety with me everywhere I go. Like, I'm nervous about being here today. I'm nervous about first... So I'm kind of fucked, really, because I'm an actor. Yeah. And every time, it's like that first day nerves. That but every first... day's a first day of school, isn't it? Pretty... Well, yes, of course. And, I mean, I've, I've, I've learnt to, to cope with it and... Well, you, I suppose you deal with it in yeah. the best way that you possibly can. Get exactly. Some milk in that tea exactly. So, so, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's interesting what you take with you, you know. And you say... You, you know, you you saw that that young kid bawling his eyes out, not want to go yeah. back to school after that half term, and and you regressed and kind of thought about that mm, connection mm. with you. Is that something that happened like in that moment, or is it something that you no, you've thought I mean, about for no, a long no, time? I mean, it's something I've it's something I've thought about for a long time. Um, you know, I've I've 
there's there's lots of stuff that's happened over the years in in everybody's lives, but especially in my life um, with my history and stuff with my mum and and who she then eventually married. She's remarried again since. So I end I've ended up sort of going into therapy to to talk about my my issues, my personal issues, so that I can be the best that I can be at everything else I want to do with my life. Of course. So it's taken me a while to sort of be able to recognize things like that and also acknowledge it and be okay with the fact that I got a little bit emotional thinking about this little kid and be at peace with it and yeah. be at peace with it and be yeah. cool with it. You know, because, because I think if I'd to sort of bring it into the realm of, you know, me being an actor and having to deal with those first day nerves. And like, for example, I'm working tomorrow and I've got to do a scene where it's, I'm going to meet a new actors that I'm never going to, you know, it's all the same shit that I felt when I was five walking into that class. I've just got, I've got to be able to sort of be good at dealing with that and not letting it overwhelm me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and acknowledge it when it happens and, and understand it, you know, because I think I'd be fucking doomed. I'd, I'd, I'd have given up years ago. Well, you'd probably crumble, wouldn't you? Yeah. Because you can't keep... There's only so... You know, you have those nerves and you have that anxiety of that first day and you deal with it and it and it comes and it... Do you get nervous? All the time. Yeah. Like when you... when Like first days when you're acting and stuff like that. I was constantly nervous in life, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, yeah. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, all the time. But it's interesting, and, isn't it, that but you, like, I'd never see that in you and I, maybe you wouldn't see that I in wouldn't me. see that in you I'm no. very surprised that yeah. you say that I mean and it's 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 such an interesting conversation that we pro- we don't see what other people are feeling no you know whether it's whether it's that they're happy or whether it's that they're dealing with some sort of crazy shit in their life or whatever and I just think but sometimes it's about you know you were saying that you sought help to talk about things because you felt that you needed to do that. Well, it's about acceptance, isn't it? It's about acceptance to go, well, no, I'm actually not all right here or I don't know what's going on. I'm slightly lost or I'm slightly nervous. I kind of know why, but I just need someone to sort of map it out for me so then I can accept and put it into perspective that it Mm, is all right. mm, mm. So then I can be at peace. So I can be at peace with my nerves and my worries and I can voice them. Yeah, yeah. But there comes a time for that, and I don't, you know, it, it, that happens along a time the journey. For what? To well, to 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 have that acceptance, or to be able to talk about something and be uh, that's not all right, that you're not all right with, but to try and not try and magically make it all right, yeah, because it can't, you can't well, really it's make acknowledgement, that all right. isn't it? I think it's it's what, you've already said that, but yes, yeah, but acceptance and acknowledgement of. Of what's what's not right with you? Do you know what I mean? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because we're all we're all fragile, fragile and flawed, and we've all got we're all and we're all different as well. That's the other thing. It's trying to. But as you say, you know, you can look at another person. You don't know what's going on with them. No, they might have bravado. That's the right word, isn't it? Bravado, that bravado, bravado, yeah, bravado, and you think, oh, bloody hell, they're confident, aren't mm, they? Mm. But inside. They're yeah. probably quivering like that four-year-old child it's, going back to school. It's interesting because the other week, before Christmas, I had to do a, a one-off gig, which was associated with another gig that I was I was involved in, and I was chatting to somebody who I was working on. Were it you singing? Yeah, I had to yeah. sing at, a, at an awards ceremony, and one of the lads in the show that I was singing the song from, we were just chatting pre-show, and he says, how are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm a bit nervous today. 
And he went, oh, what are you nervous for? I says, oh, I'm just, I'm just, when you get that pre-show kind of excitement and you're just chatting bollocks and mm. stuff. I said, and he said, what are you nervous for? I said, oh, I'm just a bit, I just want to get these two shows out of the way and then I want to get tomorrow out of the way. He went, well, what's happening? And he didn't know that I was singing this song at this award ceremony. And he, he just looked at me and he, like, I was mad and he went, yeah, but you don't get nervous. You're like a rock. You're like the guy that, that we all look at and, you know, and I just was like, Oh God, maybe they do that because I I shit myself every time I have yeah. to do any. It never gets any easier. But like, shouldn't you? Shouldn't you? What? 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 No, you shouldn't. What, what if you get to a point where you go, no, I'm not nervous at all? Does that mean then scares the crap out of me? That mean you don't care as much? I don't know. I mean, I've never got to that stage mm, where mm. I'm never terrified before this a action or you have to walk on stage for the first yeah, time. Yeah, it's yeah. Never happened. Well, it's like you know, people always say people. You know, if ever I get asked questions like you know what what how do you deal with nerves and stuff like that. And it's like, well, how? How do you deal with that? You just... I mean, when I... The only way I can describe it is, like, when you're about to walk out on stage or when they're about to say action or you're about to go into that audition room, it's like this bile is coming up and it, you're using every part of your, your, your personality and your coping mechanisms to push down the episodes that have happened to you in the past, whether it's you know, my version of events, which is dealing with those first days of school when I was a kid. That, that's what's going through my head yeah. when I'm about to walk on stage, when I'm about to have to pretend in front of all these people that everything's normal and that I'm... <laughs> that relaxed. I know, and that I'm relaxed <laughs> and that I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm, I'm literally thinking to myself... I'm thinking about the, when my mum and dad split up. I'm thinking about... That's what comes into my head. Yeah. Because it, the stakes are that high when you're that nervous. And I wonder if that's the same for people who get nervous, you know, not necessarily in the acting world, but like in other, when they have phobias or their fear of flying or whatever it is, that's what's going through their head when or, they're trying to cope with... Or even having a conversation. Or, yeah. I know people that yeah, they, find it absolutely very yeah, difficult yeah. that can't make eye contact and can't yeah. really have a conversation. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it goes going back to the nerves. You know it's happening. You can feel this rising in you. Mm, mm. And then, I don't know. Is it about blocking it? I've tried blocking it, but maybe it's just about accepting. You know they're coming. Yeah. You know you can't deal with them immediately, so you, then you have to step out. Yeah. It's like a wave, isn't it? And the wave passes, and it's... I mean... It does, but then it comes back. It never goes away, does no, it? it no, comes, never. That's, it the, and that's the key. And that's the key, is not trying to fix it, because it's never going to get fixed. You just have to keep working on it. Yeah. Keep working on it. Keep, you know, whatever it is, whether it's to do with mental health or whether whether it's to do with stage nerves or being able to talk to somebody or in whatever part of your life is. And I think it, it's magnified in what we have to do because we're suddenly, you're on, you have to be on. You know, when you've had a crap night's sleep or somebody's died in your family or something shit's gone down. Yeah, leave all that there. You've got to, you've got, bring that you've in, got to you? walk, you've got to walk into a building, be nice to everybody and then go on stage or on and literally perform and that could be the, the same for anybody who has to sit and be an accountant and talk to somebody or somebody who has to be a cameraman and fly off to the other side of the world and wait for a fucking polar bear to show up. Or, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. You, you still have to perform and come up with the goods. And it's, it's extraordinary, really. To But you kind of, even though it's like you're saying, you know, you're never fixed. You can never fix it. No, you just get but, on that road and start walking it. But you can... You learn from it, but even though you have no control over it, mm. and we all, and we all, we and the, the other thing is we all have our own. I could say to you, this is what you want to do, 
and it, it won't work for you. No, but it works for you. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. It won't, it, you've got to work it out for yourself. And, I, and, and to, to go back to my journey to get into this place where I'm able to not lose my shit and talk and be an actor or whatever it is, is through talking to somebody to get stuff off my chest that's that's bugged me in my in my past or things that are happening now or whatever it is was uh, there a moment where it it came to a certain point in your life where you went i know i i think i should talk to somebody yeah yeah, yeah absolutely i mean well initially it came out of it came out of um when i was when i was 18 my my stepfather so the the guy that my mum married when i was 6 yeah. he killed himself when i was 18 so that was sort of a massive life event. Yeah. And that happened just before I went to drama school. So I found myself at drama school cracking up, basically, about six months after it had happened. Were you close? Yeah, yeah, very close. He was, he was sort of my... My dad's my dad, and my dad's my father figure, but he became like another father figure as well. Yeah. So I was very... He was the guy that was bollocking me and grounding me and doing all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, so when I was sort of... I think it was when I was 19 because I, I was it was like second term of first year of drama school I basically just had a complete meltdown like was absolutely fine didn't really give a shit about anything that happened I'm going to be an actor everything's great and literally overnight had a huge fucking meltdown yeah there was there was it, it was I wasn't very well I'd had I was into smoking weed at the time and I basically just sat there with my mates and my then girlfriend and just had a huge anxiety attack out of nowhere. Never had one before. Yeah. Sitting there thinking, I don't know what the fuck is happening to me right now. Something's not right. And everybody was just continuing chatting away around me. And I'm sitting there going, I'm, I'm, I'm dying. I'm sitting here and I'm going to die. Everything is switching off. Yeah. And it wasn't. It was just that I was having a, a huge anxiety attack and I had no coping mechanisms. Because it never happened before. it never happened before. Yeah. And, of course, I was a little bit stoned, so I was... That's only going to exacerbate yeah, the situation. Yeah, it made it even worse. Yeah. And I remember looking at my girlfriend and, and she sort of looked at me with a frown on her face and said, are you all right? And I just looked at her and sort of... I can't remember exactly what I said, but I just said... I must have said, no, I'm not. And that, the rest of that night was a bit of a blur, but I just couldn't do anything. I couldn't stand up. I couldn't sit down. Yeah. I couldn't put a TV on. I couldn't go and get a job. I, everything made me scared, like petrified, more scared than I've ever been in my life. Yeah. So without sort of going into massive details about that, I had sort of a bit of a wobble for the next couple of weeks at, at drama school and ended up dropping out for a bit and then coming back because a, t a teacher who ran the course just basically, I came back to sort of have a, have a sort of check it all out and sort of dip my toe back. And he went, you've got to go back into that classroom now. If you don't do it, you won't, you won't ever go back in there. If you but start did you did you leave uh, training uh, f from your from your own personal self, or were you told to just to step away from? No, a bit? I I stepped away. I I rang my mum, and my mum was like, "What do you want to do?" And I was like, "I want to come home." And she went, "Well, just pack your bags and just come home." So I just did, and obviously she stepped in and rang rang the school and just yeah. said, "Look, this is," and they explained what had happened because I don't think they were aware of what what had happened. To you Alpha. you were able to vocalise that to your mum. What that I wanted to come home the, about yeah, that, why you wanted to come home? Yes, the way, where yes, you were was, within yourself. Yes, I'm, I'm very close to my mum, so right. my mum, my mum knew about the episode and knew, and I think my mum was waiting for it to happen. With, with in terms of what had happened with with my stepdad 
dying and stuff because and, nothing had been dealt with within yourself yeah, and, yeah. and well, your think, grief yeah I think yes exactly um, and I think because my mum had sort of been through it and I think me and my brother had to sort of step up and be there for her yeah and then I my focus was drama school and my brother's focus was I think it was his A-levels at the time and all that kind of stuff so and my mum had sort of come out the other side of of her sort of initial kind of grief because she obviously had lost her husband mm. But then she sort of stepped in and said, come home. So eventually I did go back to drama school and, and from then on, everything changed. And that's where this anxiety, this nerves kicked in. Like I remember doing my first public performance at drama school, which had always been like the best thing in the world to be in a show, to be in a play, to be in a musical, whatever it was in Amdram when I was up in Hull. And then it was like the worst thing. Suddenly it was flipped on its head and it was like, why the fuck am I doing this to my... Why am I... Why would I want to be an actor? Why would I want to put myself through this? Yeah. This, this horrible feeling of... I've, got to, I've now got to walk out in front of... It was like a... We, I think we did... Uh, the show that we did was Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. So it wasn't exactly like we were doing some, you know, really dark play about, you know, <laughs> yeah. whatever it was. it was. It was Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. But I had to walk out in front of a couple of hundred people and pretend that I hadn't been through. And that was the first time I'd ever experienced that where I had to sort of be an actor and pretend, properly pretend to be somebody else. So it ceased to become a release, sort yeah. of stepping out and a joy, mm. be, to yeah. become sort of balls of worry. Yeah, and I, and I became a bit of a state about, it all became really hard for me. That, that second year, and I mean, I used to moan about it all the time to my then girlfriend and my mates in my year, they'd... They would always be so excited about going on stage and doing concerts or whatever. And I'd be so... It'd be like the worst thing. I just wanted to just get drama school out of the way. It was weird. And um, did, did that make you worry about your chosen career at that time? Yeah. Yeah, because I thought, well, how am I going to... My main worry was, like, what am I going to do if I get a job and I'm acting and I'm on stage and I have another anxiety attack? Yeah. What am I going to do and how am I going to cope with it? Because I can't just run away like I did at drama. And that has happened. I mean, it's happened in, in stuff, in, in plays. Since? And just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's terrifying. When, when did it happen? Well, let, let's just yeah, stop. Yeah. When did it happen again at drama school? Did you have another yeah, attack so, at drama yeah, school? Yeah, so not, in, not as intense as that, because that was the first... It kept, I'd always feel this kind of anxiety would be there, because I was in a real... I was depressed, basically. I was, I was, I was pretty depressed. And yeah. I ended up going on... They ended up putting me... I, I started to talk to somebody... And, at school? Yeah, there was like a drama school uh, counsellor that I spoke to for a bit. Why did you had a drama school counsellor? It was somebody who was attached to the school who knew a teacher that was a counsellor that would, right. was there if they needed it. And so I started, she was local. still kind of great. I it think was, they should have those yeah, in no, all I, drama I do. schools. Well, I think, God. Yeah, I mean, I think therapy is just the best thing in the world for, for anybody anyway. But, you know, that's that aside. So what was I saying? I've lost my train of thought. So it happened again. Yeah, so it happened again. And I was it was always sort of bubbling and simmering and I and I used to waste so much energy worrying that it was gonna happen. Yeah. That then it never would happen. <laughs> and then I remember once being in a a second year presentation, so it wasn't a public performance, but it was a presentation in front of the rest of the school, and we had to do a talk, like get up and talk in, about about something, I can't remember what it was about, some the history of musical theatre or something like that, because I did musical theatre at drama school. And we did it once in front of one class, 
and then we had to do it again in front of me. And I did it the first time, and it went well. Yeah. And I sort of winged it. It was like a... It was a I had notes, and I just had to read. But I was nervous, but I was... I don't know how I felt, but I was... I must have been all right at the time to be... A, I, it was a good six, six months to a year after this initial episode. Right. And I remember standing there in front of the whole year and going into this... this monologue about whatever it was I was about to talk about. And I went blank. And I'm stood there and all these people are looking at me, having no idea that this is what I'm going through. Yeah. And I just had another anxiety attack. And I looked at everybody and I said, I'm really sorry, I'm going to have to leave. And I walked out the room. And everybody sort of went, where's Mike gone, I suppose? And I went into the toilet and I just was really, really upset. Like, really, really, I was so stressed. Yeah. And I remember the teacher having to come in and say, you all right, my, one of my drama teachers. And I was like, not really. And it all sort of came out, and it was... So that happened. And then when I did my first public performance, I I was so scared of my first public performance at drama school, but got through it, but also loved it. It was like this weird kind of... Right, so the love was, was starting to come back. Yeah, because I was releasing something through the emotion of... I was connecting my 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 emotions and my, and my experiences even more than I ever had th- through what I was doing on yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah. So that was a way of channeling it, I suppose. And, and then I felt this... It, it was only a week run, I suppose. But the, but the end of that run, I felt amazing because I'd got it out of my system and I'd done it. And then sort of going on into my career, it's... You know, when I've worked on stage and on, and on screen as well because there was one job that I, that I did get. When I was at drama school, I got... I had an agent before I went to drama school... Before you went to drama school? Yeah, because I, I was involved in the National Youth National Music Youth Theatre. Yeah. So, so I did that, and I had an agent, but she sort of was like, fine, go to drama school, be on hold. And I got an audition for Band of Brothers when that was happening, when I was in my first year, and, it, and I auditioned for it before, before the initial wobble. Right. I, was, I didn't tell anybody at drama school, so I'm going to this audition for this. All I knew was it was Steven Spielberg, and it was the biggest TV show that had ever been made, and it still probably is. I mean, yeah. it's just genius everything about it anyway so I auditioned for it and ended up getting a small role in it and then that role got cut because for whatever reason and then I got another part and then I couldn't drive so they were like oh we can't play that because they were casting like every actor in the world was up for it and they just were there was hundreds of roles in it and I ended up getting this other role in it like third role but this was like a couple of months later because it went on for like a year I think oh, it was epic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I got this call from my then agent saying now listen Mike it's only a week's filming so I think you can do it because I think it'd be a great experience and we'll, I'll speak to your head of course and I think it'd be a good experience. So she actually rang the school and said, look, Mike's, I know it's not what he's allowed to do. But. They don't, but and they agreed. They went, right. great, so do it. So I was due to go, but bearing in mind that this time I'm like crippled with anxiety, like yeah. midst of kind of, I don't even think I'd gone back to college at this point. I was back at, back in I went to Guildford, Guildford School of Acting. I was back at college, but like, but not really. I was there, but like, I'd been back for a week or something. I can't really remember, but I was there, but really nervous and, and about not, everything. And not present. Like, literally, yeah, not present at all. Like, so, like depressed, proper yeah. depressed. Black cloud over my, grey cloud over my, over my head. You know, all that kind of stuff. And I got this call from the second AD, which at those, back, back in those days, I didn't know what a second AD was, and, but it was obviously the second rang me to say, hello, Michael, whatever, this is your call time, we're picking you up, and it was like a 6.30, 5.30 pickup car, first time that had ever happened. 
So it was all new to me. So yeah. again, it was going back to the whole thing of me being a kid when I'm at school. It's all the first day thing. Oh, you know God, what I mean? Yeah. On top of the anxiety and all the shit that I've been that I'm going through at the time, and I bottled it like that I night. Bottled it. I bottled it. I didn't do it. I got. I got. I. It was four o'clock in the morning. I was due to be picked up at six or, or three o'clock in the morning, and I am up in. I'm wide awake, freaking out. Like, how the fuck am I going to go to a film set where there's bombs going off and this going off? You know, as far as I was aware, I, there was. It was. I was on it for a week. I had two lines or something, but I was on it for a week. Yeah. Now I know that they probably would have had me sitting in a trailer for a week and filming for about an hour. <laughs> but I didn't know what was going to happen. And I heard oh, all these stories about boot camp and all this crazy shit where they're all talking in character to each other. And I'm like, this is the last thing I need. I'm yeah. trying to sort my fucking head out. I don't want to be on a film set yeah. with people having no idea of what, I've, what I'm going through. And So what did you do it for? So, I, so I, rang, I rang my dad, um, who I knew my mum would have been... My mum was sort of... <laughs> heavily under the influence of, of, of sort of drugs that would help her sleep because she'd yeah, been going through course. her own shit. Yeah. So I rang my dad and he and I think I spoke to my stepmom first and she said, I'll put your dad on. And, and I, maybe I didn't ring. I think my girlfriend rang because I was just a mess. I was really upset and just dreadfully petrified. Yeah, of course. And she rang and, and my dad says, right, well, just anything you've got, just give me a number. And he rang the second AD and... And my dad rang me back two minutes later and said, I've spoken to the guy, it's fine, you don't have to go in. They're, they're going to deal with it. And I remember going, oh my God. And it being this complete release of like... Did you feel a, a massive weight A lifted? massive weight, but also I felt shit because I'd given in. And I should have, I mean, in, in hindsight, I should have gone knowing what I know now, but I didn't know what I know now. No, of course not. How old were you at this I point? I was 20... Uh, I was... 21? 19. 19. 19. Yeah, 19. So I then got a call from the casting director and my agent and, my ca- and the casting director, who was uh, Gary Davey, who's, who's a lovely guy. And he called me personally and just said, listen, it's cool. We all know what's happening. They, they're going to work it out. They've, they've, we've recast somebody else. They weren't going to get to you anyway until a couple of days in. They're gonna, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. And they still paid me. <laughs> really? Yeah, they paid me. It was a tiny engagement fee. And I, and I got the cast and crew jacket. <laughs> and I got a thank you letter from Tom Hanks to say, thanks for all your hard work. So, but I never actually did it. So, so taking that experience into like leaving drama school, I still carry that with me. Those nerves of like, when I go on a film set, I'm like, even though I've been on lots of film and TV sets, I still feel like I'm going to, feel how I might have felt when I potentially was going to be on the set with Band of Brothers. But that's who I am. That's my, that's my version of it. Do you know what but I mean? But you're dealing with it better now than you obviously oh, did yeah. then. Yeah, you, I don't, mean, you don't sort of wake up at four o'clock before a six no, o'clock pick up. No, I mean, yes, I, I will admit that the next couple of jobs that I did, I was petrified before I went on my, f- my first screen, work, screen job that I did, which was when I was about 26, 25, 26. It was a big film. And I was really scared really scared and massively overwhelmed on my first day yeah like anybody would be I mean it was again it was a war movie and there was just 150 extras and aeroplanes and massive Americans shouting loud shit at you and all that kind of <laughs> stuff you know just Americans shouting loud shit at you anyway <laughs> yeah, not yeah. on a film set yeah, lovely loud Americans shouting loud <laughs> shit but they, but they were loud 
And so it was, that was overwhelming in itself. But, you know, I think my point is, is that, you know, I've, I've learned to cope with it and, and you have to step in. You have to go back. You have to get back in the water. You have to get back on the horse. And it's acknowledge that. it as and well. And acknowledge it. To go back to what we were saying earlier, yeah. you know, to acknowledge it and to, you know. So, yeah, so, but that never goes away. Never goes away. Fucking hell. I mean, like I say, I'm, I'm going up to Manchester tonight and I'm, I'm nervous about tomorrow. But even though you've started, you've already started filming this Yeah, job yeah, yeah. I've started now. filming the crew's lovely. Director's great. I'm, I'm pleased with what I'm doing in it, I think. They seem to be pleased with what I'm doing, and it's fine. But, it, but it's not about that. It's not about me being good enough or me. No. It's about my personal... It's about my shit that I carry with me every day, that I've always carried with me. Um, so, yeah, so, so to go back to the, 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 the talking that I do, I mean, that came... I started seeing somebody when I was at college for a bit, and that was what it was. And then I came out of drama school and got a job in, in, in the theatre... And it was a big, high-pressure job where I was playing the lead role and was fine for about three months because I was just so immersed in this job and then started to get anxiety about being on stage. And then I had a... I call it, I call it like a brain fart moment where you're on stage and you blank and you think, what the fuck's my line? Yeah. Even though I was four months into the run and I could have you done it... You knew backwards, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I said something wrong and something didn't it was there was lots of scenery and stuff and I and something didn't get cued on time and it really scared me so I ended up sort of for a good couple of weeks was just freaking out every night about going on stage about this one moment that I was gonna I was obsessing about yeah. it and then I started talking to this guy through a friend of a friend who I still talk to to this day right um and and actually what I needed to do then when I initially started talking to him was start at the beginning. And and even now I feel like I've only just scratched the surface. And it's a you know, I it's my thing, it's what I do, it's my I try and keep it up every week or two. I think it's it's expensive, but it's my gym for my head. Yeah. It puts my because I, I, I have a <sighs> If I'm not careful, I could I could find myself having those mo and they still do happen. I mean, it's happened again. You know, where I was doing a play at the Donmar a couple of years back, <coughs> and again, it was a, an amazing experience. A lovely rehearsal period. I was on top of the character. Everything was great. We did the dress rehearsal. It went really well. First preview went out there, and I was on I was on stage for the whole of the first act with me and two other girls. Just it was just it was an Arnold Wesker play, very talky, and we got to like two minutes before the end of the first act it was the three act play and I think the other girl I won't say who it was messed her line up right which was fine and yeah. I was like oh it fuck happens. we're it all happens. human and I actually was like cool she's messed her line up and then I said my next line but then was like what did I just say that and it threw me and then I'm like oh I got my line wrong oh that's cool am I cool no, I don't think I am cool. Oh, shit, it's happening again. Yeah. And I'm standing there on stage, first preview. Probably two seconds went past before I went back into my next line. Didn't seem like but two in seconds, that two though, seconds, <laughs> But in that two seconds, I was playing out in my head, I'm going to have to stop the show, I'm going to have to tell the audience, like I did in drama school, I'm going to have to leave the stage, yeah. run outside, go in the toilet, stage manager's going to have to go on, come on stage and say, sorry guys, we're just dealing with an actor who's having a nervous breakdown. Yeah. Th then I'm going to have to go home, tell my wife I'm giving up. That was what was going through my head. In those you two step outside yeah. yourself and start looking yeah. at yourself. Yeah, and then I sort of snapped out of it 
had this huge rush of adrenaline, like fucking hell, scary rush of adrenaline, like yeah. basic fight or flight, whatever you want to call it. Got through the end of the scene, walked off stage and was like so fucking angry with myself more than anything. Because like, why does this keep happening? Why? Why do I keep... Why, do, why is it me? that? I, why can't I be like all those other guys who just go and enjoy themselves? Because I do enjoy it. So... But again... You're saying that, but we don't know exactly. what's going well, on with exactly, the other people. Exactly, and the first thing I did was check in with my guy. I, I don't know if it was that night or the next morning. And but you know, the guy that I talked to, who's you know, I have this extraordinarily weird relationship with because he knows everything about me, but not not much about. He doesn't know me in no, a weird of course. kind of way. And but that's that's not yeah, his job, and also, is it? Yeah, and also it's his job to understand that kind of shit yeah. professionally and also he gets who I am now and how I cope with it. Whereas somebody else, it'd be a different version. He'd have to give them their version of what they need. But also he can probably see the signs when it's starting yeah. to build, as you can now. Well, I remember like, talking to somebody, and forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but I was talking to somebody about uh, panic attacks not so long mm-hmm. ago. And we were talking about when you can feel them building, yeah. but because now, if you've got the tools, I'm just specifically talking about panic attacks here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you've got the tools, you know that it's rising, and you know how to deal with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're not going to be able to not fill up your lungs, even though you can't. Even though me saying it now, it happens again. I yeah, of course. It, yeah, yeah. Know? But you know how to to talk yourself yeah, down yeah, from yeah. it, and and also leave it alone, not indulge in it. <laughs> And not, the, and not worry too much. Yeah, not worry, it. not overthink it, not just go, it is, acknowledge it's done, not think about it. And that's really hard. Really hard, because we're all, we're all, we're all flawed, we're all, you know, we're all trying to, we all want to be liked, we all want to be, we want to, we all want to prove we're, we're right, we all want to, you know. Yeah, we're all, we're all right, actually. Yeah. We're all right. And we're all right, and so when we, when we check ourselves, and whether it's in a really intense situation, or whether it's just, I mean, I, I've had, there's been the odd time where I've sat with my wife in my living room with a bottle of wine chilling out and I go, oh, fucking hell, what's happening? And she's like, are you... Are you Because she obviously knows that it's happened in the yeah. past and stuff. And, and I'm like, yeah, I'm just having a little... That was weird. Oh, it's past now. Because I'm better at coping with it. Do you think subconsciously you're dealing with it as it comes? Yeah, but then sometimes... Or, or are you not giving it as much weight as what you used to, so therefore maybe. it doesn't build? Well, there's a balance, isn't there? You can, you can spend your whole day worrying about when the next one's going to happen, or you yeah. can spend your whole day trying not to think about it so Which it doesn't Which you happen. used to. You did yeah, do that yeah, when you were yeah, transport, yeah, 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 exactly. So, yeah, so, so that's kind of my thing, really, is... you know, and, and again, coming here to talk to you today, I was like, what am I going to talk about? Am I going to end up... I mean, obviously, so, I'm, you know, I'm, the... I'm opening up, but, you know, it's, it's... But I was worried that I was... I wasn't worried about what, was, what I was going to talk about, but I was worried that what I ended up talking about would make... I'd come out of myself and start going, hang on, I'm having a... I'm having a... Oh, I need, or, to, I need or, to get or, out of the situation. Or start judging yourself. Basically, yeah. 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 Judging myself and... Yeah. Or thinking that you're judging me. When, of course, you're not. I <laughs> <laughs> bloody He's sitting not. here with a big smile on no, his face. No, not so, at yeah. all. I mean... Yeah. So it's... it's, it's yeah, it's really fucking hard. And, and, then, and then I look at, you know, people who are successful and... And I, well, you can't well, well, define no, successful. People well, look at you, people would look at well, you and think that you're very successful. Yeah, but I and think now you're looking at somebody, and I'm pointing up there who you deem successful. So. Yeah, yeah. But 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 I think what I was going to say was I look at people who are successful who are dealing with it in different ways. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think I I have so much admiration for people who are just normal and it and are cool and a 
and are doing their thing but have got a grasp on everything else in their life and then I look at some people who are just doing so well and and they're obviously anxious or nervous and it's coming out in different ways whether it's aggression or they're, they're a dick to work with or whatever it is or, or they're just shy or and, and, I can, and I can relate to it do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, whereas I think previously I probably would have gone, well, you're just a dick. Whereas now I know that it's insecurity or it's... Yeah, 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 of course. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think we, we all can, though, yeah. can't we? I mean, we, we all get to a certain stage, touch wood, where we can. We can see that in other people yeah. and we can empathise with that. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's... <laughs> that's how I cope with day-to-day <laughs> life. Is I, I, I talk to somebody... And I do genuinely think that, you know, if, every, if, the, if everybody talked to somebody... I think the world would be a happier place. I, I mean, I genuinely believe that. If you too. did, you see last night? Did you see the? Um, I was watching Harry's Heroes last night. Did you? No, watch? no, I didn't. It was just it, apart from it being a brilliant program about a load of middle-aged footballers who were going through a bit of midlife and very funny and very endearing about all these old heroes coming back together and going fucking hell, I can't run anymore and I can't and I used to be one of the best players in the country. Um, Paul Mercer was on it. And just just to be aware, you're speaking to somebody who has zero right, knowledge so, about football. Yeah, so Paul Mercer was 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 a brilliant played for. Our, I'm not a massive football fan, but I did play. I was quite sporty when I was a kid, but I'm yeah. not really into it now. And he he he's got gambling problems, and had was it was quite it was all over the place when when he was when he was really successful. That he did had, write a book? Maybe I'm not sure. I think he might have wrote. But, a book. but last night he got drafted into this team of, yeah. of has been footballers. Because somebody pulled their groin, right. <laughs> but whilst he was going to training, they did a, a bit about him going to therapy to talk about his addiction because it's still there. Right. He's fifty odd, and he broke down in this cab, like lost his crap, and was and it was just so refreshing to see somebody talking. And he and he said, "I'm I f- still feel like this road. I'm st- I I can't control this urge in me to want to gamble. Whatever his version of it is." And he says, I'm still on that road to, to fixing it because it's gone away and come back again. But the point was, was that he was talking about it. Yeah, exactly. And he says that the reason why when it gets bad is when I don't talk about it. I don't get it off my chest. I don't talk about why he feels the need to do it. Um, so, yeah, so my version of that is, you know, with, you know, I'm, I'm not fucked up. I've, I've had a relatively good upbringing and stuff like yeah. that. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I suppose I'm a pretty sensitive fella and things have got to me in my past that I've, I didn't deal with at the time and you well, know I think you're just very honest yeah maybe. and I think I was going to say it's funny isn't it because I was going to say where is it a generation thing where you know more and more people in the you know in the, the late 20s and the 30s and the you know the early 40s can talk a bit more now and maybe, yeah, maybe. the other generation wouldn't even dream about telling you well, what I was going on well I to think life. what it would have been like if, if this had happened to me if I'd have been unlucky and been born 100 years I'd have been sectioned yeah probably yeah. or somebody like me would have been sectioned just because they can't deal with you know I mean fucking hell I mean especially when there was so when people just were so you know god fearing and all that kind of stuff and <laughs> just rationalised existence you know yeah. all that kind of stuff so yeah so just to sort of yeah end things I do want to talk about work a little bit yeah because um, you know we don't really discuss loads but I want to know how somebody and I'm kind of fascinated by this how they deal because you've just come out of doing a long running job for a year mm. Mm. and for all intents and purposes 
doing the same thing every night and I know that that, that, that isn't yeah. the case but how do you deal with one sort of going into a job going this is me for a year <laughs> how and does how, anybody and, and how and <laughs> what are the what did you have any pitfalls along the way um I was I mean it's normally I would have been against it and that's probably why I haven't done it for a while for a while yeah because I'm I'm quite good at saying no to stuff somebody once said to me the best actors careers are defined on the jobs they say no to you know yeah um, and I sort of you know some jobs have been great that have come my way but anyway so the, this job was one I really wanted to do I chased it I really knew that this I wanted to be a part of the work I wanted right. to be a part of the I wanted to play the part I wanted to bring something to it. So I sort of knew that that was, I, I was going to have to sort of carry that with me and just get on with it for a year. I sort of knew when I went into it that I would only do that year. I knew that it would run, probably, and it probably will for another yeah, 100 years. I would have thought so. Um, so, yeah, so, so in terms of, like, the actual, the job and showing up every day, you just, it's weird, you just get yourself into a routine, and I didn't... <laughs> Bringing it back to the kind of the psycho bollock shit that we were just talking about and like overthinking stuff. Yeah. I've got very good at not thinking about it. The job. Do you think it was easier to not think about it because it was such a long contract? No, I've no? I've 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 trained myself to do that in jobs, whereas I would have in the past, like I remember I did a I remember doing a play years ago and I got myself into such a... I was, it was fine and I was in a good place like in terms of my anxiety and all that but I was rehearsing the, the fucking part every day before the show. I'd run the lines yeah. before the scene, before the show. I'd run, and then I got myself into a habit of running the lines on the way in and then I'd run the whole show in the... And it was a Shakespeare play so it was a lot of lines to get my head... And it was like, if I don't run these lines something bad's going to happen on stage. Right. And then I did a show which was only like six week run at the chocolate factory and the director, the way that in which he directed was a really weird, but liberating way of rehearsing, which I won't go into cause it was, it's a whole other story, but, um, it lent itself to not thinking about it. Right. But what you, it, it was so well rehearsed that then you, that then you didn't need to think about it. And that's one of my things about acting is you work out what you're going to do and then you don't do it. And that's some of the best acting I've ever seen is when I know somebody is so... I'm not method. I'm not one of these people who goes, no, I was the guy, I was, I was there, I was him. I'm not that. It's all pretend. But when somebody knows what they're doing so well, they've done their own work so good that they can just do what they want. They can any, even throw anything at them. And that, I suppose that's the... Yeah, so... Do you, still, this, do, you take, do you take that with you now? Yeah, and so now I, I, I do a lot of prep. So... With this particular, and I and I make sure I learn stuff and I know my stuff inside out. So with this particular show that I that, that was at the chocolate factory, I the first show came up and I was like, no, I'm not going to go run these lines tonight. I know what I'm doing, and I did the first show having not just didn't think about it, and I spent the whole run not getting any anxiety about what I had to do on stage. Wow. In a way, I still was nervous, yeah. but in a but in a productive way and a controlled and way, a controlled way. Yeah. 
and I was leaving it alone. I was like, no, I don't need to think about it until I got all I need to do is remind myself of the first line before I go on stage, and then I'm off because I know what the response. And if I get it wrong, take a breath and get it right because I know what it is. So that I took that with me, and then funnily enough, the next play I did was that thing at the Donmar where I did start to have a little wobble, mucking around with myself. <laughs> yeah, so I need to just run that bit of dialogue before I go on and then I fucked it up and then I ended up sort of so yeah so with this job that I've just done that was for a year I made sure that I didn't over rehearse it so every time I went out there it might sound a bit wanky but it was fresh every time I didn't know what was going to come I mean obviously I had the parameters of what I had to do with the part because it was a huge machine of a production of course but I I was able it lived it liberated me to be able to sort of not know that I was not going to look over there and look at that. Because the yeah. thing is, when you get into a run like that, and that's happened, you end up looking at that light on that line and looking at that actor on that work, whereas I didn't with this part. And, and I, also, you know, for the majority of that part, you were on stage by yourself. Yes, so yes, that was... was like, it, that must have been very it was just, free. And... It was, yeah, it, it was, and it was just me and the words. That was, and that was, um, obviously, music as well, but the... But, yeah, the it was, it was... It just it made me just be able to not do it. Like I'd worked out what I'd done all the prep. I'd worked out what I was going to do. I mean, look, rehearsals was like eight weeks long, and wow. I was on stage for eight minutes. So <laughs> it was it was just like, well, what's the point in over rehearsing this? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna do myself in if I overthink this, I get myself in such a state. But anyway, so I didn't, and I ended up just really enjoying it. And I think also because the show itself is just extraordinary and once in a lifetime experience yeah of course and there were so many cool things that happened with it throughout the year so and you get holidays and stuff when you do a long run in something like that you book a week off every six weeks so you know you've got something you have this kind of weird kind of thing that we never get when we're actors you know that classic thing you book a holiday and you get a job whereas yeah. you knew you get 10 days off and you could go on that 10 day holiday to the to the med so you had things to look forward to um yeah, so... Maybe but, it's kind of rules for life about overthinking. I think so, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, I've, weirdly enough, I do talk about that when I've spoken to my, to my fellow about it, about the, uh, the psychology of, of rules for life and rules for sort of rehearsing acts. Because we do. In life, you over-rehearse stuff. Yeah. You overthink stuff in your yeah, head. Yeah, you play you play scenes out in your head before something's going to happen, which yeah. creates anxiety. <laughs> and if you do, and then if you do that before you're about to go on stage, or you're about, and and it's like a literal analogy when you've got a script. Like I'm going up on a train tonight, and I'm going to be running my lines, playing out a scene that I'm going to do tomorrow. Whereas I could be getting on the train, playing out a scene with the actor that I'm going to work. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's this weird fucking blend. fine line. Yeah. So, um, so that's kind of my thoughts about that I suppose the year long run I mean it was great and I, I'd do it again I don't know if I, I wouldn't want to do it at the moment <laughs> maybe I would I don't know it depends what depends what comes and that's that's what's so great about doing what we do is that we get we get to do a mixture of everything and I mean especially with with my path has been that I've you know I, I, I do musical theatre but I haven't actually done that much, really. I've done no, three or four. You've been very lucky to to do bits of TV, yeah. do your films, yeah. do plays. Yeah. And some people will look at you and go, "Wow, he's yeah, really." No, I've, and I and I've made a and that's been a conscious choice to sort of make sure that that's what I do a bit of everything. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's a party upstairs now. Well, I think that's telling us to do something, <laughs> yeah. Mike Gibson. Thanks, man. Beautiful Cheers. to enjoy it. 
Yeah, I think since it's quite intense. Sorry if I was a bit intense. No, man, it's just the way it goes. You just get off but on I it. I loved it. Thank you so much for nice coming one. on. Cheers, I man. really Thank enjoyed you. it. Thank you. Nice Cheers. One. Thank you. And another episode is done. And I'm back out on the balcony in Manchester for some reason. I don't know, it's quite nice. I quite like hearing all the sounds from below. Um, thank you to Mike. I mean, he was really, he really opened up. He was really honest. And it was a very free, free, it was a very free flow conversation. Um, he's a top man and, and yeah, I can't thank him enough. And look, thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed it. And look, if you haven't, you know, sometimes maybe you, it's quite obvious. And I do this as well, you know, with the podcast, you click on somebody who you, you know or you've heard of or you, you've seen on the telly or something like that. Do me a favour, go and click on somebody who you don't know and I guarantee you're going to love it. You really, really will. So uh, go and do that. And look, while you're there, go and tell your mates about the podcast. Just do that and uh, see if you can get them on board. It's always good. There's new people all the time joining us. And uh, we're ever so grateful. We really are. Right. Well, I'm going to go because I'm quite knackered and I'm going to go to bed. But look... Have a really lovely weekend if you listen to this on Thursday. And we'll see you next week for episode 86, which is the last episode before a little break, right? A little R&R. So, look, take care of yourself, be sound, and don't give yourself too much of a hard time, however you're feeling. And thank you so much for downloading and listening. Until next week, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff, and this has been the Two Shot Podcast. Take it easy, yeah? The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. <laughs>